So, welcome everyone to uh, CSEC's podcast, and today we're talking about the rise of alternative milks, mm. everything to do with uh, new milks and all that sort of stuff. So, first of all, I'll introduce my guests. We have the absolutely historic, knowledgeable man himself, <laughs> Julian, uh, in the room. Hello, Julian. Forgotten more than I ever knew. <laughs> <laughs> more than I'll ever know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then we have another knowledgeable man who has gone above and beyond to the future of science and coffee and how they come together. Back from the Adam future. Carr. Hello. Indeed. Um, yes. Cool. Yes. And then you have myself, the host, Josh, um, who has taken over from Josh Bowen, uh, hosting your podcast, Delight, today. Mm. So yeah, so let's uh, kick things off. We've got, um, today we're talking about the rise and thoughts on alternative milks uh, in the industry at the moment. So first question, and table to both, um, how popular is dairy and coffee compared to black coffee? Well, in Australia, of course, it is supreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other countries, less so, and in some countries, almost none. Yes. So it all depends upon where you are. But uh, Australia has always had a milk-based or dairy-based uh, thing about just about everything that milk can be put into, and uh, coffee is uh, certainly one of them. No, oh, exactly. I mean, sort of, I don't know. If, would you say it started with sort of the Greek? Sort of, it was the Greeks who did the milk bars. I mean, how is that the fascination of a? Well, I, I have got history before. with the Greek milk bars in Sydney. You know, which of course for a long time were the go-to places for any kind of coffee, however mm. awful it might have been. And I certainly recall uh, lineups of jugs of two-liter capacity. Yes. Uh, heated up at five o'clock in the morning when they opened and left there to stand until required. Whoa. Uh, and uh, of course, at certain and stages of the day, they would turn into something resembling rice pudding. <laughs> well, uh, I like rice pudding, but uh, a fermented rice pudding. Um, and of course, with, with all the opportunities for bacteria to breed and yes. so on, it's a wonder that any of us are still alive at <laughs> that time. Oh, a healthy gut. <laughs> a healthy gut is caused by such things, I'm sure. So, ha- has milk been in Australian coffee right from the get go? Well, I'm not qualified to speak. I've only been here 40 years, so I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, but I, I more qualified than most of us. I, I, I would yeah. imagine so. Whether, whether it was instant coffee, and in, you know, in, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, or something else before that, yeah. uh, which was so bitter that it required the addition of something with a certain sweetness to mm. it, which milk has, mm. as well as sugar. Yeah. Uh, then I suppose the answer is yes. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's interesting when we look back at the Cafe 2025 findings, looking back at that sort of origin of where Australians' milk consumption comes from. Mm. I actually didn't actually look into that, so it's fascinating to sort of think about where that origin might have come from, like whether flowing from the milk bars, maybe from the Italian introduction of coffee, maybe the two combined at a certain point. Mm. But, uh, I mean, the rise of the Australian flat white or the New Zealand flat white, depending on who you ask, we'll say Australian, we're Australian, we'll say Australian. Well, I live in Roseville, and uh, within my memory, which is only 40 years, there were still three dairy farms, or mm. later equivalents of, of dairy bottling plants, uh, within the space of about two or three miles, let's say five kilometres. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, milk was something which was uh, either brought in from, from you know, farms around uh, Sydney, or, or whichever capital city you like to think of, or in many cases, in pastures which had been there since the year dot. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that looking at the dairy industry, I know there's a, a thing on Netflix at the moment, I'm not going to, not shouldn't go into that particular one, I can't remember absolutely every little detail, but seeing how the ri- rise and falls of dairies and seeing how that's changed over time, it's quite interesting. Mm. I kind of want to know in Americans, yeah, some money in American, the American market kind of is not massive on milk and coffee. I'm, I'm pretty sure their con- milk consumption coffee is bigger than ours, but as a population, but per capita thing, probably not as much. 
Um, black coffee certainly is the king over there. Yeah. And I know that they Very were certainly raised on dairy. I mean, it's a, it was a, I think it was a federal requirement that every child have, a, I don't know, like a certain amount of milk per day. Um, yeah, for really? healthy bone development. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's very big in schools. It's like a rationing type thing almost. Yeah, right. um, I'm not sure what it's like now. You go to school in America. And, I remember that growing up and watching all those 90 movies and like when you look at American movies and stuff, they're always talking about, you know, cup of joe, black coffee, percolate coffee. Yeah, yeah, that's what well, they do. We're going across the coffee creamer. Yeah, creamer. Oh, <laughs> I love me some good coffee creamer, by the way. Oh, my goodness, when I was over there. Oh. I'm glad I, you're on I'm the other side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I mean, when I was over there, I, I came from the Australian coffee culture and went over there, and then it was... You get into the Starbucks thing, you get into the, the black coffee thing with a little bit of cream. Well, start with a bit of cream, and then a little bit of cream, and then you move to black coffee. It seems mm. to be a progression. Mm. Maybe a little bit of sugar if it's at work. I found in Europe they had quite a bit of um, cream on tap yeah. for coffees and such. Yeah. But my it's like UHT, first, right? Yeah, my very first yeah. exposure to coffee was actually... Really, um, when I started taking interest in it, it was actually in Germany in 2005. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, the v coffee. I was oh. like, that was something completely different. Was that the cold frost coffee, or is that... Because uh, I know they have that there. Like, well, the way that it was explained to me, um, and I haven't looked into it because I haven't drunk it since I was in Germany, uh, it was black coffee from uh, your standard automatic machine at home, and then um, added a bit of cream on top. Mm. Um, it's probably delicious. Especially with cream. Coffee by itself and was American half and half. Amazingly sharp. Half and half, I should say. Um, yeah. I think getting to sort of back to the <laughs> yeah. coffee and milk, I mean, certainly the results that we found in um, in our report in terms of the percentage of Australians who drink coffee, I mean, it's 85%, I believe, or 84%. Yeah. If you count lattes, cappuccinos, and all the all the coffee, but piccolos are included in that. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, when you think about it, it's 80% milk, 20% coffee. Really, we mm. drink milk with a bit mm. of coffee in it for the most part. Well, certainly going back in, in, in Britain, uh, British cities were full of factories yeah. uh, with hundreds if not thousands of workers and milk was considered a food as part of yeah. the diet in order to sustain them whilst they worked. Makes sense. Uh, whereas for the most part unless you were in the middle, upper middle or even higher classes you did not drink coffee as a, uh, as a lifestyle thing. And seeing as we're talking about milks I think that's an interesting leading point as well because thinking about alternative milks and the rise of that and actually the goodness of traditional dairy milk I mean there's so many nutrients and there's so many things in dairy milk that uh, you know we look at, we talk about you know health trends and this and that we're moving towards you know alternative milks potentially for health reasons and potentially for you know allergen reasons or maybe even sustainability reasons but in terms of general nutrition in terms of balance of proteins, fats, minerals, you know, calcium, yes. even, you don't get much better than what's produced. Well, no, I think you need a byline, really, which is called real milk from cows. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, I think that's and it. And everything else is a substitute. I think that's it. You know, all that, yeah. I yeah, there is a lot of discussion about the wording of um, what, what is milk, milk and what, what can you call it. You're going to call it M-Y-L-K, milks? Yeah, yeah. Well, sadly, of course, you have to go back to coconut milk and coconut cream, which is yes, which is much older than the... The modern fashion for mm. you know, almond and all the rest of it to to have that uh, nomenclature. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not something that we're likely to be able to expunge because it's been around for such a long time. Yeah. Soy was definitely one of the very first alternative milks to hit the scene in a great, um, great amount. What um, and then not long after that, almond, almond milk has come up. Yeah. What, what's the what's the trends with soy and um, and almond now? Well, we certainly see it's been substituted. Well, not, I shouldn't say substituted. It's it's inverted. Where soy was the dominant milk um, of perhaps the last twenty years, certainly the last yeah. five, we've seen a significant switch across to almond. Much more almond milk is consumed mm. um, in coffee uh, than soy is. 
Um, but soy has been around for longer, so therefore there is more. Well, or is it, it, we found some interesting things actually with that. So there is more. I don't think so. Not in coffee. Okay. I think there's plenty of consumption of soy milk potentially even at home as well. Yeah. But it's an interesting one. We found um, doing some tests in our window, especially when it comes to coffee. We we have two. We had three soy milks that we tested. You can see it on our our blog article. Yeah. Um, we, we tested three, but there were two particular ones that that there was sort of a binary result. We tested Happy Happy Soy Boy, and I believe it was Vita Soy. And Bonsoy as well? Or was it Bonsoy? Maybe it was Bonsoy. Yes, it was Bonsoy compared to... There was a binary switch there yeah, where yeah. traditional soy milk drinkers um, preferred Bonsoy as in the actual soy beany taste yeah, inside okay. the milk, mm. uh, where those who had not ta- had regularly had soy milk in their coffee, when they tried the Happy Happy Soy Boy, they preferred that because it had a less beany taste. It was designed to be more, what's the word, neutral. Yeah. I don't no, know where the soybeans come from, whether they're all grown in Australia, but we've certainly got a lot of almonds. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, because we've still got bees. <laughs> I think, though, in the volumes of the almonds, I, my understanding is, and I, I could be wrong in this, I'm not going to quote the source, but I have heard someone who, who works at an alternative dairy, well, not an alternative dairy, at an alternative um, milk factory, so most of their almonds actually come from California. Even oh. the ones that we use here? I believe so. Despite what we I, grow? I believe so. I believe yeah, right. so. Well, I, I, I could be wrong. I yeah. just it's just what I heard. I, I'm prepared to believe it. I know there's all sorts of uh, you know <laughs> odd things going on and uh, well, how trade uh, works. Yes, mm. and misinformation uh, to to people such as me who know nothing. There may be certain there may be certain dairies that or oh, I shouldn't say call them dairies. Why well, I'm calling them dairies? It's uh, perhaps an injustice. Certain uh, manufacturers. Yeah. That is how it's done. It's manufactured. Um, that would use and probably purport to use only Australian almonds and I suspect they probably do mm. um, others I think probably use some and then have a combination approach of other imports yeah. um, I do know that I'm, I'm pretty confident to say that this per, are these guys I mean you know, California is a source of many yeah. vast yeah. amounts of almonds and I'm sure that yeah. of course, if we turned off the supply year. of beans to pollinate the almond trees then that uh, business would come to a halt in a very short space yeah, probably time. that's right probably that's right oh, let's talk about mean. trade relations yeah. so we got yeah. from soy to almond and then the, the next sort of milks I saw after that would be coconut milk oat yes. milk yes. all these other sorts of things how are they faring in comparison to almond and soy well from what we saw in the trends uh, oat, uh, coconut hasn't really changed a whole lot um, do people put coconut milk in coffee? Some, it's rare. I've really? seen it. I, it, is seen a, it. I believe it, it, it is actually an upcoming health trend where people are Ooh. suggesting a lot of the fats in coconuts, um, yeah. particularly coconut milk. You know, I think there's another company, I can't remember the name of it, um, that's adding it into an instant coffee, claiming um, health benefits. I'm, I'm not quite sure you want to add cholesterol to more cholesterol. I'll be quite honest right. with you. I don't see why that's actually got any sort of benefits. Maybe they're thinking about antioxidants, but I had to say it. Coffee, it doesn't have coffee any itself play. is actually quite high in antioxidants. It doesn't have any anyway. play on the way that doesn't need actually... To help. Does it does it have any play on the way that you actually steam the milk, in the way that you actually manufacture texture and all that sort of jazz? Well, I want to go back to the blog. I'll just another joke. My 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 understanding was that most people didn't like the taste of it. Yeah. It was relatively insipid and watery when it was combined to the coffee. So in terms of the sure. flavor profile, I think it's not commonly drink probably because it doesn't taste very good. Yeah. And it's probably not on most people's minds. Most people when they think of alternative milk coffee, it's probably almond milk number one and then soy number two, yeah. as would be reflected in what people yeah. actually order. Oats, a new one that's sort of coming through. Um, that definitely took a, a big rise. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, it's reported to be. It'll, it'll. We reckon it's going to overtake soy in the five years, but you know we could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I think there's a there's an army of soy based soy lovers. <laughs> we're only talking about going back maximum probably fifteen years, yeah. maybe closer to ten. Yeah. Because my commercial experience with cafes ceased at that point, mm. and I don't think I ever had anything to do with anything other than normal milk. Well, well truth really? be told, truth so, be told, even now, I mean, alternative milks are only really represent about fifteen percent. Uh, I mean, which is actually more significant 
<laughs> than than you would have thought. But it's right, it's risen yeah. up. But it is yeah. actually what our trends indicate. We're going to rise up to more like twenty five percent, so a quarter of all sales in cafes in the next five years we expect to be alternative mm. alternative so, milk based. So when it came came to soy, like fifteen years ago, you weren't really seeing it that much inside of cafes. No, absolutely not. Yeah, right. mm. No, it's a fraction. I mean, no, it's, it, it, it's was, decaf. it was whole milk versus light milk. And then yes, that was, it. Uh, that was the only split. Like that, you know. yeah. So you think about the 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 you know the massive numbers. Of, I shouldn't say the massive amount of milk that, in theory, if everyone to serve every portion of the market that a cafe may have to serve, you know, you've got your whole cream milk, your skim milk, you've got your almond milk, soy milk. Maybe you want to have some oat milk in there just mm. in the mix. You've got five different milks you now have to serve. Mm. All that have very different properties when it comes to steaming and foaming. Definitely. Um, you know, the requirement for either some degree of automation or you know, a significant amount of skill on the brisket to be able to understand precisely yeah, how to foam and, each and, individual and one. probably a difference between the amount of time that they can be left out of the fridge before yeah. they start. Yeah, uh, yeah milk. exactly. Yeah, milk milk recognises it potentially has a substance if it's left out, out on the bench more than two hours. And it's Which one? Milk, whole, whole milk. Oh, whole milk. Yeah. Well, um, we're talking about the... Yeah, didn't, then, didn't, didn't, kill, didn't kill the generations before us. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 40 degrees and on a pot. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, these days, it's, we definitely have to be mindful of such things. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing is also, I mean, a lot of the alternative milks that come through are fairly sh- are relatively shelf-stable. I, I don't know about all of them. I'm pretty sure most of them are designed to be shelf-stable, though. Mm. I think when they're open, they're not as stable. But again, most of the time you're opening them, you use them within the day. Yeah. So... Yeah, for sure. Mm, so mm. then, talking about so many milks in a cafe, um, how should a cafe approach um, supplying and purchasing milk for their cafe? Is there, is there I mean, obviously, the, the first and foremost drinker is always going to be full cream at the moment, um, yep. as far as trends tell us. Should they stock five milks? I certainly, th- well, if, if it was me, I'd probably stock four. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm not. I'm not actually a cafe owner. Well, although I'll be honest, during COVID, I opened up my own coffee delivery business and I supplied yeah. four. Yeah. And that was plenty. Most people chose between. I had almond soy uh, skim, which was basically a light milk, wasn't fully skimmed. Yeah. Shouldn't tell why I like to provide a bit more fat than. Yeah. <laughs> to everyone that I serve. Um, and full cream. And again, the same breakdown that I saw on Cafe 2025 is what I saw in what I served. It was about 80% full cream about 10% skim and the rest were mm. probably 50-50 actually soy and almond but there again I think you know, full cream probably starts at about 4% doesn't it fat um, yeah, fat, uh, yeah. Uh, and rises to anything up to about 7 yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. so the better quality milks which um, yeah. undoubtedly contain uh, more of the original yeah um, is very different in coffee to uh, some of the lesser ones which are sold by supermarkets at yeah. prices. It's an interesting one. I mean, that, that's dictated by taste. I know some people use, like, you know, for example, I think here at Seven Miles we use a lot of Riverina milk. Yeah. Um, we, we think it has the best overall flavour profile. And well, it's I buy pretty it good. use it at home. Well, I love ever, it. Ever since I introduced it here in a, however long ago. Well, it was a fantastic recommendation. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and I make the, the extra journey to Woolworths uh, who stock it yeah. as opposed to Coles who yeah. don't in yeah. order to buy it. Yeah, it's at an absurd price. I mean, they could charge another dollar, by the way, for everybody who listening sure. to this. I think you probably could. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's delicious <laughs> and it's, it's pretty consistent across the year as well. But I mean, look, I mean, obviously, to whoever's listening, I mean, you know, you'll find the best milk for you in your region. Not every milk's available everywhere. Anyway, in the States, I'm sure you're not going to get what, what would you What would you focus on when it comes to comes to milk? Are you looking at yeah, you know, fat question. content? Are we looking at sugar? I, are we? I think when it comes to dairy milk, I think you know there are a lot of good dairy milks out there. Um, most dairy milks are fairly good when it comes to foaming and stability to pH and other things like that. I mean, it's a fairly rich 
blend of proteins, fats, sugars, and all, all those other wonderful things. Would you go off flavour first, or would you go off the numbers, such as sugars and fats? Well, look, if we're talking about a general thing, yeah, I mean, when it comes to, this is, I suppose, what I was getting to, I think with um, dairy milk, I'd go for flavour. Yeah. Flavour and consistency, but I mean, it's hard to measure consistency unless you're really, you know, really going at it across the entire year of operating. You know, mm. If you're just opening up, I mean, go to your roaster for some recommendations, definitely, I would yeah. say. Um, but yeah, most dairy milk should be fine. Um, again, go with your flavour. We use, I think, Riverina's full cream is about is a bit under four percent fat. Yeah. Um, their their Riverina Gold, I think, is about four or a bit over that, mm. which they, I think Riverina themselves recommend for coffee. And you know, they've got a lot of testing done there. I don't personally like it, but plenty of people would. It's certainly mm. more rich and creamy. Um, yeah. And if that's the market wants more rich and creamy and a bit less coffee. Mind you, that's not really the way it translates, I don't think, to be honest. Rich and creamy kind of combines quite well with whatever coffee flavour there is. For sure. I'm just um, worried it's a that sometimes, like, I mean, in, in my experience preparing for competition, all that sort of stuff, um, I've found super high fat milk tends to wipe out some of the delicate flavours yeah. of coffee. That's probably right. Um, it's probably right. I mean, it, you know, milk adds mouthfeel as well. I mean, milk does a whole lot of things to coffee. Um, it's funny, we, we, I don't know if we've published it yet, but we do have a blog, and we haven't released it because it's a bit controversial, we're still debating and debating it out. We did some tests onto different brands of milk. Right. As pure milks, it's quite clear, you can taste the difference between yeah. each and every single one of them, as to, and you know, there are plenty Just of preferences. Just milks on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. milks on their own, but yeah. when it added to coffee, it's very hard to differentiate which milk is which and which one's a preference. It tends to be that, in fact, coffee wipes out most of milks. Yeah. Into all these to be able to differentiate. So it probably works both ways, right? Yeah. You know, milk at 80%, you know, wipes out some of the more delicate coffee notes and vice mm. versa. Mind you, we're having an espresso delicate. Well, it and, is and, not. And counteracts <laughs> the natural bitterness of coffee as well. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's a benefit. Those sugars and such. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bitterness yeah. Is, is not necessarily a desirable trait. Well, what was the... Um, what was the milk focus back in the day for for cafe owners did they was, was it focused on flavor or was it based on lowest price was it i don't um, know that it was i think what, what they wanted was something that was stable because we had a lot of trouble 30 40 years ago with what i love to say flocculation mm. uh, which we might call curdling yes uh, which at certain times of the year when the cows would move from one pasture to another upset the balance of the milk and caused endless problems in cafes, mm. uh, which uh, it was impossible to counteract and, and, until things settled down again. Mm. Actually, yeah. talking about that, that's the, the story of the flat white, uh, just referring back to it, the Australian Parliament back in the day, they actually released a, uh, a newspaper article talking about how the milk went weird and cafes are really uh, cafe baristas are really struggling to produce um, nice foamy lattes. Yes. And so the flat white apparently got uh, invented in the parliament <laughs> uh, because I couldn't get it to froth. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a little mystery as to the origin of the flat wire. I, think, <laughs> I highly recommend you watch the video that Josh and Ben put together on our um, I, on I YouTube channel, channel which is flat hilarious. Flat white is not cappuccino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's yeah. funny you bring up the, the term stability. I mean, we, we go back to sort of the article that we had. You know, stability is a funny thing. I mean, what causes stability actually differs from milk to milk. Or milk to milk or milk to milk. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to say it. I'm not very good at Is it a combination of factors or just Yes, I think so. Things? It seems to be the balance between sugars and proteins. Pro um, and proteins. And in talking to, a, to an expert in the field, who probably we should be worthwhile getting him on here um, at some point, um, we're talking about the type of proteins as well. makes a significant right. difference uh, in the stability of the milk. Um, so, you know, proteins themselves have multiple different structures and each structure could be more, more firmly, physically pH stable depending on the type of protein, how it's chemically bonded, how it's chemi uh, we term it chemically functionalized. Right. Like a huge difference. So, you know, for example, I think, I think it is with soy milk, if you open up one of the protein structures, then you hydrolyze it, 
it becomes quite a stable milk to mm. pH. Mm. Um, whereas, obviously, if you don't, whereas oat milk, on the other hand, doesn't require any of that. They're yeah. already hydrolyzed proteins, already you know structured up. So actually, it's quite a stable milk, right, independent okay. of the pH. Um, and we found that in our testing, oat milk mm. um, is rather stable, quite delicious, and combines quite well with coffee. Uh, still not dairy milk, yeah. but um, I, honestly, let's be honest, I don't think anything will be. Um, Although challenge, you know, I'm not going to say challenge, except that I'm not going to work on that. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with my dairy milk. Thank you very much. Seven, but, miles, um, seven miles milk. We're going to start producing our well, own. Nature, well, that's the thing. Nature's, nature's had years, yeah, millennia of, by, more than that, yeah. to optimize the, you know, the nutrients it feeds to raise young. You know, it's a good chemical balance. It's, it's there to, to nourish and, and to build. You know, whereas we're, we're trying to create a milk from nuts, which are not milk, mm. <laughs> and for don't sure. produce milk. They have oils, and sure, we can create a we can create a milk out of an oil. Yeah, um, we can do it for anything. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know the rise and fall of that. You know, depending on what your opinions are on sustainability, and let's be honest, there are numbers around it. We've we've got an article out. I don't know if we have an article on that. We have done research around it. Yeah, and there are significant differences okay. there. Mm. But um, still, I think nutrition. Back in, in June, you also did a, um, a milk comparison um, in on YouTube. Uh, yeah. In Seven Miles YouTube, you actually did a comparison between different milks and stuff. When it comes to pricing yeah. a milk, should a cafe what what should a cafe look for? Should they be looking for flavour first? Should they be looking for how is it they can get it, or should they be going for the cheapest thing on the market that they can find? Well, it's, it's a this complex subject. Yeah. This, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that the amount of milk that goes into a cup, or indeed a mug, or a very large mug, plays a significant part in the total cost of the actual production. Mm. Uh, so it might be tempting for somebody in the country who was accustomed to serving their customers with very large mugs for one reason or another because that's how they like their beer mm-hmm. in very mm-hmm. large glasses or in very large bottles <laughs> <laughs> long necks or whatever it might be mm. uh, might be tempted or, or, or might feel it was appropriate to use uh, an inexpensive milk if they can get hold of it Yeah. whereas in the more sophisticated societies I would say of Melbourne and Sydney or something like that uh, in, you know, putting milk into small cups, ever smaller cups, it seems to me, <laughs> mm. uh, is, is, is something which counteracts what would otherwise be a, a very significant cost if you were using yes, high-grade whole milk. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly on a sustainability front and a cost front. I mean, reducing cup size, reducing milk usage. Um, yeah, I mean, that plays, plays in the economics. Definitely. I mean, it goes into any kind of product development. I mean, let's be sure. honest. I mean, to sell anything, you need to lead with quality. Yeah. Um, you know, people aren't going to come through the door for something terrible. Yeah, maybe cheap, but if it doesn't pass master, if it's not as good or better than the average. I mean, you can sell on price. Let's be honest. I mean, the one dollar coffee that you get at Seven Eleven, you know, it runs out the door. I, but then it, you know, probably acceptable enough. Well, yeah. it's particularly important but, if you have a cafe which is a destination. But I think that's as it. distinct mm-hmm. from something which happens to be en route to the office yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Sure. Is, it, is it a drug or is it an experience? Oh, drugs. Are- <laughs> well, let's be honest. Yeah, coffee is that drug. Let's be honest. That caffeine. That caffeine. So we we know that like there's a lot of protein in, in whole milk. When we look at um, uh, alternative milks, we've got much uh, a whole complete different set of compounds inside that coffee. Um, how should baristas handle milk? What happens when milk burns? What causes those sorts of flavors? Have we done? Um, have we got much understanding about? How alternative milks or how cafe and should Well, when milk burns, you've only got one option, and that's to throw it away, isn't it? That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, some people like milk that's very bordering on burnt, but I wouldn't say that it's burnt. When people want their milk heated to seventy degrees, I mean, they don't order it for that; they want an extra hot. I think that's the challenge. That's the hardest one to sort of 
make I think to get it so it's so steaming hot piping hot that they nearly burn themselves well, some, uh, some of those milk. milks or so-called milks would probably be you know, acceptable some, at that very high temperature yeah, and, and, and some would split I mean we've done some tests on which ones split at high temperatures but generally most of our tests were looking at how well it, it stabilized in yeah. in coffee and you know when it comes to alternative milks and you're looking at you know chemical properties I mean there are there are different findings for each milk again based on you know the different protein structures and sugar content uh, is a broad generalizing statement. If you're looking for something in a milk that is of an acceptable quality that won't generally split, or people, I hate to say it, won't notice the split. Because by the way, soy milk almost always splits. Yeah. <laughs> um, happy Happy Soy Boy didn't, which is interesting. That's a very, very high pH, but I think it was probably more down to the cleverness of the, the modifying of the, the so, proteins. So you wouldn't buy milk based on its pH level? But oh, I mean, you're not going to get it a probe and test yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think the supermarket would allow you, and you know, cleaning probes themselves is a pain. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Um, frankly, the general recommendations are, are this. I think dairy milk, taste. Um, almond milk, again, taste. But sweetened almond milk tends to be more stable than ones that are unsweetened. Yeah. Soy milk, higher pH is better, it would seem. Um, and avoiding light roasted coffees with soy milk is tended... I mean, if you have that choice, you probably don't have that choice. You have what you have, I think, generally. So here's a question from, from the uninitiated. Uh, yes. What makes uh, almond milk sweet? Is it the addition of sugar? Yeah. So yeah, people don't really know how much sugar they're consuming when they order something with almond milk. Maybe. No, but I think if you, you know, not really. No. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back to my notes to see precisely which sugars they added. I'd imagine if it was anything, it'd probably be sucrose. Um, they, they, they think they're ordering something healthy. Yeah. When in fact, maybe not. Perhaps not. I mean, that also goes under the assumption that sugar is is unhealthy. But I know that there are diabetics out there as well, right? So for whom All they probably sorts. couldn't have. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a good point. Well, um, you could take you could take percentage off the bottle and then deduct that from yeah, how the, much volume. The consumer wouldn't know. That's the no, thing. Yeah. For the barista or for the person running the cafe, we'd recommend sweetened milk simply for stability reasons. Yeah. For health reasons, unsweetened, you're likely to end up with curdling, and it doesn't taste that good. Yeah. Um, probably, if you wanted to go there, I mean, the reality is most things have some kind of sugar in it. Most milks do. Natural or otherwise. Yeah. 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 I mean, most of the ones in alternative milks are added, mm. um, but yeah, there is always a little bit. Mm. Because most things, I mean, like soy milk, for example, I mean, everything's got a small amount. Anything that has cellulose is going to have some degree of sugar, probably infinitesimally small. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a natural product of mm. degradation, you know, anything with cellulose eventually breaks down to its monomers, glucose, and has an equilibrium with sucrose, and yada, yada, yada. So many chemicals I don't understand. But I was like, oh, you know, you know sucrose. It's delish. It's delish. And cellulose. But, uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, they're all, they're all small factors. I'm... I'm not sure who anyone who had to go into hospital because of uh, almond milk, but then I'm not a, not that kind of. I, I don't know if it's an. I don't know who does that kind of work actually. Yeah. Statisticians, I suppose. Medical statistician. I don't know. Either way, yeah. it's a good point. Food technologists. Yeah, food technologists. They do development. But who looks at the back end? You know. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. that was a good good chat about alternative milks. Mm. Um, Have we missed anything? I like we've. No, I've pretty much blasted through all my questions, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I've only got one more comment which oh, I put yeah. down here. Which said, cheap milk, no good will yeah. cover this. <laughs> <laughs> I am probably right. Yeah, but sure. then there's, you know, I'm not going to do the argument, but like, you know, then we had a we had a guy here who worked here. But uh, I think he was saying a lot of the stuff that, you know, goes in the sort of the generic, you know, like Coles or Woolies or, you know, the, the supermarket brand stuff, it all comes yeah. from the same. Same, same stuff as most of the manufacturers. All come from the, oh, is it? Yeah, they all come from the same cows. Yeah, right. Which doesn't mean you shouldn't be buying the branded stuff because, honestly, I also believe in supporting dairy farmers. I don't think we pay enough for milk and I don't think they get enough 
for their milk. Mm. Um, yes, that's an interesting comment. I can recall when I worked with the Milk Marketing Board in England uh, about 40, 50 years ago, mm. I went to one of their big production lines and uh, there was the normal production coming down, probably uh, three or four abreast in the, uh, in, in, in the uh, constantly moving uh, line yeah. of bottles. And then at the other side there was uh, member of the Jewish community uh, from the Beth Din, uh, blessing the milk as it came down, but of course Ooh. it all came from the same source. Mm. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. Wow, extra additives, holy. <laughs> Add blessing onto that. They should really put that on there. I love it. Have you seen that, you've seen that coffee that, uh, oh, what is it? I don't know where it came from. Something that was just passed around the, um, some of the American sort of the barista sort of thing there, which is like almond, soy, oat, rat. Oh, they went through milk. the whole list. They went through the whole list of absolutely everything you could possibly do with coffee and said, would you like a, would you like a shaman to bless your coffee at the back end of it? Anyway, it sounds like a full parody channel. Yeah, I, sure. yeah I know. We, we, we shake our heads, but we are in this industry, <laughs> aren't we? Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're talking about how many? Four kinds of milk? I'm sure plenty are on their way. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, yeah, if you want to look at uh, the Cafe 2025 report um, that uh, Ben Irvine, Adam Carr and Karina Parlis put together, we definitely talk about it there. We've also got um, an editorial and a YouTube uh, clip on milk. So if you've got more questions or you want to learn a bit more, definitely recommend looking in there. Um, until next time, this is Josh signing off. It's Adam. And Julian. And thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.